going. This is David opposing Matrix. How are you tonight? Um, actually, when you listen to this, it won't be tonight. So, just how are you? Hope everything's going good with you guys. Um, we did a show the other night. It was kind of a spectacular show, I think. Uh, we just came out of the gate like um, like horses coming out of the gate on a racetrack, and it was it was pretty good. And neither of us was tired at the end either, so that was kind of neat. And um, anyway, um, tonight I want to um, approach a subject that may be just a little strange, but I hope you've learned to expect that from us, okay? <laughs> That's a very important thing. I have to keep my glasses on because I'm going to be reading tonight. Okay. Um, I don't know how exactly... I come up with these things. I, I know that it's from the Holy Spirit. And because frankly, I'm not smart enough to come up on these things, upon these things by my own. Okay. Uh, the whole thing when I found the thing in Revelation 10 about times uh, being uh, ended for a short while, uh, that was definitely from the Holy Spirit. Um, I did another article. I, I should probably do a show on it. Yeah, I could do that with this program, too. Um, that might be a good idea. Uh, so, that in that uh, particular article, I talked about how the um, the encampments of the around the tabernacle were laid out um, when the um, children of Israel, or children of Jacob, whatever you want to call them, um, were uh, coming out of Egypt. They would set up camp every night, and... Um, there was uh, one camp that was south of the uh, the tabernacle, and it was the, the largest camp. Now, when God said go south, he meant south. He didn't say southeast, southwest, south, okay? So take the size of the tabernacle and then just camp everybody in parallel lines all the way down, okay? Um, the smallest group was on the top, and the groups on each side were kind of the same size, so, you know, if, if you were looking at it from the air with all the fires burning and everything at night and and stuff, um, it would look exactly like a cross. And um, in, interestingly enough, and I'm not going to give too much away because I want to do this show, but um, if you look at the numbers on each side, one of the sides is a little longer than the other one. And I can't remember, I think it was... Um, it was a percentage, and I can't remember how how much of a percent it was, or it was a number figure. And um, you know that your uh, your heart is not located directly in the center of your chest. It's located probably about uh, the center of your heart is probably located about what, three inches, maybe from your the center of your sternum, eh, maybe two inches, depending on how large you are. You know. Um, and since the one side was longer than the other side, the, um, the side that was shorter would have been the side where the, the heart, where Yeshua's heart was when he was hanging on the cross. So that kind of makes up the difference, okay? It would make that shorter side go to the left a little farther um, or to Yeshua's right when he was hanging on the cross. Anyway, um, it was a really interesting study. And, and like I said, you know, I'm, 
I consider myself to be a pretty intelligent person. I got an IQ of 137 and, um, you know, I'm, I'm no dummy by far, but you know, when it comes to things like this, it's like there are no accidents in kingdom of God. Okay. Not any accidents whatsoever and no coincidences. So when things like this come, it's, uh, it's quite interesting to, uh, to look at them and to study them and to do word studies and everything else. And, um, anyway, um, so I'll work on that because that was, that was kind of an interesting, um, study that I did. And, um, I noticed that others have copied it, um, or have been given it by the Holy Spirit too. I was, uh, I was watching something on YouTube the other day and this guy was describing it. Um, it was called Tabernacle Tabernacle Camps, uh, the layout, or something like that, and it was almost word for word what I had what I had written. And I don't care, you know. First of all, if we both got it from the Holy Spirit, then I I can't care. And you know, if it was He used my material, it's not really my material. It's material that Yahweh gave me through the Ruach Hakodesh, right? So anyway, um, let's get on with this. Um, the name of this article is, Will There Be Adrenochrome Harvesting During the Tribulation Period? And I wrote this last year, because um, it's copywritten last year. It was funny, I was just going through my files the other day um, on a uh, removable drive that I have, and uh, that I save a lot of things to. And, um, and I found this, and I'm like, oh, I forgot all about this. You know, I, I, I totally blew it off and forgot about it. And um, I'm just kind of getting chills thinking about it. Um, so again, it's no coincidence. <laughs> and I found what I was looking for, but I found this also. So, um, will there be adrenochrome harvesting during the tribulation period? Copyright 2020 by, um, the Hebrew name that I use, David Ben Yaakov or David Rafino. Okay. That's the, Gentile name that I was born under. Okay. And by the way, David Ben Yaakov just means David, son of James, and my dad's name was James, okay? Yaakov is, the anglicized uh, word for Yaakov is James, okay? Okay, now the Bible can be confusing, I guess, to many people, even those uh, that are inspired by the Ruach HaKodesh, uh, to know the meaning of the intent of Yahweh, or yod heh vav that's what I'm going to refer to him in uh, in this article, the tetra, um, tetragrammation of his name. Uh, one could speculate that Elion made it that way to keep people from perverting Scripture's meaning. It could also be speculated that um, it is difficult for the unsaved person to understand because Scripture is written in code, and every code needs a code writer to understand the code. Without a code writer... A crude understanding of the scripture can be obtained, but the intent of the code writer can never be fully understood. That's why um, people will say, oh, the Bible's a neat book. It's got a lot of allegories and stuff like that. You can't really take it serious, though. And, you know, it's, it's just the way people are, you know, because they can't understand it because they don't have the code writer. Okay. Okay. Finally, it's been borne out that any any one scripture can have multiple meanings, considering the context that the reader is experiencing. Uh, 
Um, I've had this happen many times where, um, you know, Yahweh will use a scripture when I'm in one situation, and I can be in even in a completely opposite situation, and he reveals it to me again, and it helps to minister to me. Um, it's really, truly a unique thing that Yahweh does, and uh, that's why it's a living word. It's um, it, it's a living word that that applies to every part of our lives. I just wish people would understand that. And um, but you know, without the Holy Spirit or the Ruach Hakodesh, there is no understanding. Okay. Okay. All right, where were we? We are told that Scripture is a living word, like I just said. It, it is, in a sense, a message that is intended for specific people at specific times, and that Scripture will speak to every individual as yod vav sees fit to use it. And it seems to depend on the epoch of time that the reader resides within as to what the meaning will be. Okay. But it always brings glory to its author, who is Elion or Yahweh. Um, take, for instance, the words of Yeshua in the 17th chapter of Luke, when he's referring to the period when he will return, and he uh, likens it to the day of Noah, days of Noah and Lot. And let's see what we got here. This is Yeshua speaking, and he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they did drink, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. And that means them all, humans, and if there were any Nephilim left, them too. Nobody went to the center of the earth um, and escaped it, okay? And, And none of the Nephilim camped out on the outside of the ark for 180 days. I've heard that before. Um, anyway, he goes on, likewise, also, as it was in the days of Noah, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Oh, I wish that was going to be tomorrow or even right now. You notice that when he talks about the day he comes back, so it's probably going to be daytime in Israel. It'll be nighttime here in the West, if if the West is still left. Um, But that's another story. Okay, if you read the scripture above, using the surface rendering, you get a message that that there will be a day like any other day when Yeshua returns. People are marrying, buying, Selling, building, and so on. However, if you look at who Yeshua was speaking to when he gave this discourse, he was speaking to a Jewish audience that was very familiar with Jewish customs and in Torah. The first hint is that aside from marrying wives, it says that they were given in marriage. In a Jewish culture, men were never given in marriage. Only women were given in marriage. Okay, It was a social contract in the Orthodox community. It's still that way. One has to deduce that Yeshua is telling us that men are being married off to other men and that homosexuality was rampant before the flood and afterwards. Okay, because we have the account of Lot. That's what the afterward means. But anyway... Um, remember that Noah lived for close to 350 years after the flood water subsided. 
The final point is driven home when Yeshua compares the time to the return of the days of Lot. No one can argue that Lot was taken out of the city of Sodom because the city was consumed with sin, specifically the sin of homosexuality, as illustrated by the event in the story where the men in the city wanted to have relations with the angels that came to bring Lot and his family out of the city. Thus we conclude that homosexuality was only a contributing factor to the destruction of the world through the worldwide flood and the destruction of the five cities in Abraham's time. Anyway, reading uh, either account in a Tanakh will have a hard time, anyone reading the either account in a Tanakh will have a hard time connecting this specific sin with the destruction of Sodom and her sister cities and the entire world as it had, in the, had been done in the flood. This is true, true especially in our current day when equating sexual deviancy uh, with Yohei Vavhe's displeasure, which can and does get a person labeled as a sexist, a judgmental person, and a hater. And there's another word, a homophobe. Okay. Yet another scripture bears out the principle that knowing scripture's true intent is reserved for the one that Yohei Vavhe endows with the code writer of the Ruach HaKodesh in an obscure scripture that many of you probably looked and just dismissed as unknowable. This scripture is found in the 10th chapter of Revelation and something that we can, that uh, can leave one's mind reeling when you see what the real word meanings are in the Greek language. Let's remember that the, uh, or the New Testament was written in Greek for the most part. Um, now, I do believe that Revelation might have also been written in Hebrew, since John wrote it, and he was fluent in Hebrew, and uh, and he would he probably would have written a copy for the Gentiles and a copy for the Jews. So the the uh, Greek one survived, and the Hebrew one hasn't been found yet. Anyway, and he says, and the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, who created heaven, and the things that are there, that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which therein are, that there should be time no longer. But in those days the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, and he, as he declared to his servants the prophets. Okay. Now, the key scripture in the text uh, is, And he swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and the earth and the things that are therein, and the sea and the things that are therein, that there should be time no longer. Now, the Greek word for there should be time no longer, or the words, enforces that time shall be no longer, because uh, the word for time is chronos, and it means it means time. Um or better put, something that, uh, and this is, um, came out of um, Strong's Concordance on the Blue Letter Bible, something that is has been changed into something different. Okay? Time is going to be changed into something different. It's probably going to be melted with the spiritual dimension, and all the people that are alive are going to see the, those scummy-looking things that they've been serving and, and stuff like that, and... Uh, even with the mark, I think that they're going to 
be disgusted at what they've pledged their lives over to and their deaths, actually. <laughs> um, so anyway, something has changed into something different. Or, as the scripture says, time will no longer exist. Now, we know this isn't going to be in a longer time because uh, we're told that the millennium's coming, and millennium is the measure of time. It's a measure of days, which is a measure of hours, which is a measure of uh, minutes and seconds, which is a measure of the um, time that the electron takes to orbit an atom, a uh, cesium atom, that is. Um, okay, where was I? Oh, we know that the Nazi scientists were playing with the notion of time travel back in the 1940s, and they might have succeeded, actually. You conclude... But you conclude, but the story goes that uh, the Nazis developed something called the Die Glocke, which is German for the bell. The best that can be ascertained is that they had um, three of these devices near the end of the war, and Hans Kammler, General Hans Kammler, the SS general in charge of uh, secret projects, disappeared. And so did the three Die Glocken that he was uh, responsible for. And then incidentally, on uh, December 9th, 1965, something that resembled an inverted acorn crashed in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Come to your own conclusions on that one, okay? A bell looks like an acorn, okay? And they said that there was even strange writing on the, um, around the craft, and, uh, and also that it, when, when they drew what they saw, it kind of looks like, um, it was written in um, the language that the Nazis were using, um, their secret, mysterious um, language that they were um, communicating in and, and uh, worshipping in, actually. Now, the question has to be asked, did the Nazis discover time travel? When the Allies invaded Germany, they bought a lot of technology back to the United States for study. Did they find blueprints or scientists that could build them a time-traveling machine? Maybe. In addition to the notes of Nikola Tesla, supposedly tell of a way that he found to look forward and backward in time. Now, what I'm getting to here is this. Does mankind have the technology to time travel? Did he or will he try to use that technology to attempt to change time and seasons? Like the prophet Daniel told, them, um, told us about the man of perdition who would be, be able to do. Okay, let's see. I do know one thing, that scripture says that yod heh vav -He will end time, as we know it, at one point during the tribulation period, just before the blowing of the seventh trumpet. And boy, I'll tell you, Paul says that um, at the last trump, that's when the rapture is going to happen. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to get into an argument or contention. You know, Brian believes in preach here, and I believe in mid-trib, but we decide to honor each other and... And, uh, you know, if Brian's right, then that'd be fantastic, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's enough scripture to support both sides. So, um, anyway, well, at least the interpretation of it supports both sides. Okay, period just before the blowing of the seventh trumpet, or the last trump, and the end of time will forever put an end to mankind's attempt to pervert what Yohei Vavhe has established before the foundation of the earth. I always imagine that them getting in, they, them inventing a, another Diglock and, and getting in there and, and going forward in time. And I, I do believe that they have gone forward in time, actually. I, 
I do believe that they, but they've only gotten to the point where they see the uh, beast, uh, the, um, uh, oh, is it causes desolation. Uh, the image of the beast that's set up in the, uh, in the Holy Temple during that time. And, um, and because of that, they think they win. So they proceed with their program, you know. But can you imagine, you know, them going in ahead in time and trying to <clears throat> uh, put an end to the, uh, the plans of Yahweh, which people are going to foolishly try to do anyway. They're actually going to fire guns and bullets at Yeshua when he returns. <laughs> um, that's, that's called mental illness right there. Um, but anyway... Uh, yes, yeah, so they get so far in time, and then when they're about to do something that could possibly change it, God says, well, or Yahweh says, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to one-up you, and I'm just going to end time altogether. And I can't imagine where that person's going to go when that happens, because they're going to be in an interdimensional space, and then all of a sudden, uh, time is not going to be around anymore, so... Yeah, that's going to be real interesting, and we probably will never know what happens to that individual or those individuals. But um, it's uh, it's fun to speculate on, you know, uh, to, to say it in German, oh, scheiße, <laughs> you know, well, what has happened <laughs> uh, before they go down in flames. Um, okay, just before the seventh trumpet. Okay, and I'll ever put an end to mankind's attempt to pervert what Yohei Vavhe has established from before the foundation of the earth. You know, the foolishness of mankind thinking that they can change something that has already been written, and from Yahweh's perspective, Yohei, Yohei Vavhe, he, uh, he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, Scripture says, so he's already living on the other side of of history. He's living before it, around it, and on the other side of it. Um, I just picture a bubble, the universe being a bubble that, uh, or like a snow dome or something that he looks at every once in a while and, and says, I can't believe those people are doing that, you know. Um, well, anyway, he's going to play the, he's going to play the Trump card, and I'm not talking about the former president, but, um, anyway, I've just illustrated two things that show that if one is endowed with the code maker through a relationship, that one, that person, <clears throat> and there are many of us, that can be shown truly amazing scriptures and can and will pass some time into, uh, some time into the future, the things that will happen in the future. Um, and because we know the code breaker or the code writer. And um, it's done through the author of Scripture and given to the person that Yodhe deems worthy of receiving such information, usually very humble people who want what Yodhe wants and who do not want the recognition but want people to know what Yodhe wants them to know. Sort of a modern-day illustration of Ezekiel's Watchmen on the Wall scenario, so to speak. So you're probably wondering where I'm going with this, and you're saying, what does this have to do with adrenochrome harvesting now and later? Okay. Okay. This chair gets a little um, uncomfortable after a while, but this too shall pass. 
Okay, if I would ever have brought up the subject of adrenochrome just 20 years ago, I would have been looking like I was crazy. Probably would have been institutionalized, too. Uh, this elite sensation, although it may seem like a new thing, has uh, most probably been around for millennia. Recently, however, it's become a common knowledge to the, those who research the Illuminati and the elites, both Hollywood and in politics. Adrenochrome is a compound that's released by the adrenal glands in humans and most mammals. It is released into the bloodstream when a person is placed under extreme stress and or life-threatening instances. In the same way that endorphins are released into the body during extreme exercise, adrenochrome is released into the blood when it becomes oxidized and it binds with adrenochrome receptors in the body to produce a high much like a narcotic high. Um, I remember when people used to go out running, they used to do it because they'd get, they'd get a high out of it. An endorphin high, they called it. And that's another drug that acts like that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> it has also been compared to the high that occurs when somebody takes cocaine into their bloodstream, whether it's injected or inhaled or whatever. Or I guess they smoked it, too. I don't know. I, I got out of that stuff 40 years ago, and I don't want to know. Um, there's a feeling of euphoria, like the world would be easy to conquer, and if it gives, it gives a feeling of invincibility, actually. Um, I've often wondered if this compound is released by the adrenal glands during times when people were martyred. Yes, I know that the Ruach HaKodesh gives boldness in such times, but could it also be that adrenochrome is used by Yahweh to bring about the voice of boldness and courage? Could it be that yod heh vav uh, could it be used by yod heh vav to help the martyr and to realize that this world is a temporary realm and that uh, heaven is the authentic reality and could be used by the Ruach to recall scriptures to those who stand in front of dignitaries that condemn people to death? I guess that yod heh vav is the only one that could truly answer that question with any truthfulness of conviction. With truthfulness of conviction, excuse me. Recently, we produced a radio program where we asked a question about the historic knowledge of adrenochrome. We talked about ancient Israel and their rebellion and how they took on the ways of the people around them by worshipping gods of metal and wood. One of those gods was named Molech. Some, some people pronounce it Molach, but it's Molech. Uh, Molech's image was often large, lifelike in, in stature, and that of a human and sometimes larger. Um, and almost, it almost always made, was made of metal like bronze, and the image itself was hollow inside with an opening at the bottom to stack fuel like wood to create fire that... Um, would cause the image to glow, an off-red in hue. I don't know if you've ever seen bronze or brass when it glows, but it's not like steel when it glows. Um, and it's not like steel when it melts. It turns um, kind of like a golden color. Um, it's quite pretty, actually. Um, if a person was summoned to do so, they would surrender their firstborn, often a child, to be placed on the glowing red-hot and outstretched hands of Molech, which would kill the child slowly. Hopefully not, but a lot of times it did, literally cooking the child alive. We surmise that since ancient pagan cultures often demanded blood sacrifice in human form, 
that perhaps the child was bled to the point of death, near death, before being placed in the glowing hands. Okay, the stress of being taken by a stranger, mistreated in ways that we may never want to know, could cause the stress needed for the child to produce massive amounts of adrenochrome that would be released into the bloodstream, <clears throat> which would then be consumed by the priests of Molech and perhaps even the priests, the parents of the child. I can't imagine doing that. <laughs> I really can't. Um, and you really have to be debased to do something like that. And this is the reason why um, Israel went into 70 years into captivity in um, in uh, Babylon. Also because they, they missed a whole bunch of the, um, the Sabbaths and stuff. But... Um, so there was, a, there was a multifold meaning in their being taken to Babylon. Every day, thousands of preborns and newborns are aborted in some of the most cruelest ways possible. Some are exposed to strong saline solution that attacks them from the outside and works itself into the child's mouth, stomach, and lungs. Others are cut apart inside the womb by merciless doctors and nurses and then suctioned out uh, body, body piece by piece. Sorry, this is hard to read. Others are being allowed to exit the mother's birth canal only to be placed aside to die hours later, or they are killed with various other means. It's interesting that after uh, the death, they are bled and their body's parts are sold to medical laboratories around the country and the world. Uh, no one in their right mind would do such a thing. And no one in their right mind could deny that this is nothing but a different form of sacrifice to Molech. Even though they don't know they're doing it, they're doing it, okay? It must be remembered that in satanic circles, the younger the victim, the more prized that they are for sacrificial purposes, and newborns are prized possessions that are sold to the highest bidder. And uh, if you've studied it all, what's been hap what was happening when Trump was president? He was after actually going after these people and and taking them down. And um, it's a shame that he didn't get reelected because he probably could have gotten rid of the problem. But um, oh well, maybe he'll come back. Okay, maybe he'll come back with JFK Jr. That would be nice. Uh, we've concluded, using biblical and historical sources, that child sacrifice was rampant in the times of the Tanakh, when it was written and it was actually lived. Uh, but one has to wonder if these things, which were prevalent then and are coming to light now, if they were practiced before the time of Noah's flood. We're reminded by Yeshua that when he returns, the world will be the same sort of mindset as it was in the days of Noah. We know that Yeshua gave... We know that Yeshua gave uh, to us an indicator to look forward to know that his return was near. We have to put a timestamp on certain times and places to understand the days of Noah and to understand why his day will be repeated in the last days. We return to Solomon who wrote in Ecclesiastes that it, it's a curse pronounced upon mankind, basically, that he will either accidentally or deliberately forget past events. Today seems to be a social experiment done by idiotic people who think that they can repeat things that have been historically proved wrong and try to do them in the present day in an egotistical error of thinking that they can accomplish them. 
oh, yes, we're much more sophisticated now. We can do it. They couldn't, but we can. Okay, Solomon said in the first chapter of his book, The thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It has been already done of old times, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. In other words, Solomon was saying that mankind is inherently debased and will make the same mistakes over and over again. This condition is caused by our fallen state, living in a fallen universe. Now, there was a guy named George Santayana. He summed it up the same truth in similar terms. He said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Only the dead have seen the end of war, and a definition of beauty as pleasure objectified. But getting back to Melech, uh, or King Solomon's words, he chooses some interesting terminology. He says it's been already it's is has been already of old time, which was before us. The Hebrew terminology of the words in this short phrase denotes that everything that we think we are doing fresh and new has already been done in ancient ages, perpetually in times before us. The Hebrew word for the old time is the word olam. You could spell it O-W-L-A-M, Olam, which can mean many things, but it's rendered that it's rendered that we are studying. It can mean, in a, in a way that we are studying, it can mean even before the foundation of the earth, which is interesting because most scholars speculate that the rebellion of Satan occurred uh, before the foundation of creation. This would denote that mankind does wrong, in fact, Satan has a, has a, is an originator of what mankind does wrong. In other words, since mankind is born to sin, he mimics the author of sin, that being Satan. Having this knowledge, we can now assert, and rightfully so, that mankind's sinful actions were carried out, um, carried over from Satan, and 200 fallen angels that taught mankind how to sin. It's also reasonable to assert that the fallen gods like Baal, Molech, Murdoch, Astarte, and, and others uh, were images that were made by cultures that worshipped these entities with cultural names ascribed to them. Um, therefore, before the deluge of Noah's time, it's quite possible that the fallen angels that, um, excuse me, fallen angels that the post-deluge cultures fashioned in idols of metal and wood and stone, actually accepted the sacrifices of human children in personal fashion or as an idol fashion uh, after the fallen angels were locked in the abyss just before the flood. Human sacrifice was a problem around the globe for millennia. Some of the places where human sacrifice were practiced in the past and is practiced today, I'm, I'm going to list for you. Uh, the Chinese practice it in their old dynasties, the Chaldeans in the city of Ur, North America, um, and used for reference Mound 72 near Los, uh, St. Louis, the Incas in Chile, 
the Moca Indians in Peru, the Nazca Indians in Peru, the Mayans in Central America, the Aztecs in Mexico, that one's a no-brainer. Early Egypt uh, to worship Osiris, but that was phased out in later dynasties. England, sacrifices um, found on the grounds of Stonehenge. I saw on TV the other day, too. Yeah. Um, Japan at Hiroshibashira as late as the 1500s A.D., Hawaii in the past, people were clubbed to death, Rome in the past to, myth- to mythical beings, Greece in the past to mythical beings also, the Dahomey Kingdom in West Africa, the Celts, Europe um, and parts of the Middle East, the Vikings sacrificed slaves in Carthage, North Africa, they had child sacrifice. The Mongol invaders uh, that came into Europe and uh, the Russian area uh, practiced sacrifice. Ancient Korea did. The Indus Valley civilization known today as Pakistan. Uh, Tanzania. Uh, sacrificing of albinos, and it still occurs today, by the way. Um, uh, let's see. Worldwide today, um, abortion is a form of sacrifice. Worldwide today, the elites, the Illuminati, Satanists, etc., they all kidnap children and young adults, and um, especially if they're virginal, and um, they like to sacrifice them. Um, you know, everybody talks about Hillary's uh, hit list, you know, her body count. Well, what you don't maybe not know is that uh, Hillary is, um, I think, a uh, second-degree witch and Bill is a third they may have been elevated since then. But when when people sacrifice people, Satanists that is, um, with the shedding of blood, they, they seem to think that they obtain more power. And, and quite possibly they do, but it's uh, derived from Satan. Um, and um, it's... Uh, you know, so so killing in their eyes is is for personal gain and to please whoever, whatever deity that they're, they're worshiping. You know, the Wiccans worship nature, but in fact, they're worshiping Satan. They just don't realize it. And um, yeah, so anyway, you get the gist. Now, if I'm correct, and adrenochrome was harvested from people before the deluge of Noah's time, then we have to ask, how did it become revived? One scenario could be that Noah and his sons told their sons and grandsons about the evil of the antediluvian world. It must be remembered that Nimrod, the son of Cush, was the grandson of Ham, who was Noah's son. Um, he was a person that led a rebellion against Yodhe by attempting to reach heaven with a tower. And now, as an aside, it makes no sense, and Jim Wilhelmson tries to hammer this point home, and rightfully so, um, it makes no sense to build a tower in a valley to reach heaven. You'd build it on a mountaintop, right? So it's most probable that Nimrod was not building a tower to reach heaven physically, but looking for a way to break into heaven using either remembered technology from the antediluvian world and or occult mannerisms to breach time and space, that barrier between linear time and another dimension, much like CERN is doing today, actually. And we've done shows on CERN, and uh, you should be concerned about CERN. There's a book on delusion, uh, yeah, delusionresistance.org that I wrote 
that talks about that, and it's it's for free, and you can go download it if you want. Should we be concerned about CERN? A little play on words. Um, the probability is that Noah and his son shared the story of the antediluvian world as a warning, but just like today, people tend to use history and technology for, for malevolent purposes. For instance, imagine our grandparents viewing what society has turned into in just my lifetime. They would look in horror as they beheld what we've been forced to accept both politically, socially, and religiously. And everything can be used for evil. Um, fire, you can cook with it, you can keep warm with it and stuff, but you can actually kill people with it too, right? Um, the atomic energy, you can kill people with it or you can use it to make power. Um, everything seems to have a flip side. And if, if it does, mankind can find it, I'll tell you. The Bible uses a term about returning to the old ways. It says a dog runs back to its own vomit, meaning that it will eat what its stomach expelled without much care or regard. So we know that mankind is cursed to repeat its past wrongs because of the passage in Ecclesiastes. Hence, in our current time, we see what's most probably the harvesting of adrenochrome before the flood. Um, then during the times of the Tanakh, when people were actually living the Old Testament, uh, being repeated a third time today by the elites, the rich, the famous. I hate to say it, that it's going to get worse, much worse, toward the end of this present age. And I know we're at the end of this present age, and um, I've had people write to me saying that I said we're not, but I don't know where they got that. Um, anyway, um in Revelation chapter 17, we're introduced to a woman that is the embodiment of evil. She's what many believe to be a religious movement that will absorb all religions that are juxtaposed to yod Bavhe. She's given a name, Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. I can't say that. Um, while the whole chapter is mind-blowing, the part that I want to look at is verse 6. Which says, and I saw a woman drunken with the blood of the saints. Okay, let me read it again. And I saw a woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now that almost sounds like he was digging on what he was seeing. But we'll see that that's not the truth. And that's Revelation 17.6, and that was from the King James Version. Uh, for many years, I read this passage and thought that her cup was filled with the blood because it symbolized that she was responsible for the death of millions of saints of Yeshua, which is true, but I do think that there's a deeper meaning. We can easily affirm that she's going to be um, responsible for the death of the saints, but it's most likely that each death will be a sacrifice to Satan or his son, referred to as the man of perdition, or both. We call him the Antichrist, right? The passage above uh, that I just read says that this woman is dressed in a scarlet robe and with gold and precious stones and pearls. That was the verse before it. I didn't include that there. Um, since scarlet is often associated with blood, it can be assumed that aside from the cup filled with her blood, or with blood, her clothes are covered with it also. In addition, the man of perdition seen in this scenario is called the beast colored scarlet, because she's riding on top of a scarlet-covered beast. Uh, they were the epitome of genocide on a scale that has never before been 
and never again will be. And it's coming soon. Uh, the scripture that we are examining suggests that the cup contains the blood of the saints and the martyrs of Yeshua. And since it's a cup and she's drunken, we have to conclude that she's drink, has drinking the blood or has, has consumed the blood already because she's drunk. This is not a metaphor, and I'm not telling you that she's drunk with power, nor has she consumed the blood. No, she has consumed the blood. Uh, furthermore, since blood sacrifice has always been acted out for a deity of some sort, this is a part of a ritual, maybe a rite of passage or a Luciferic initiation. Yet, an, yeah, you think the COVID vaccine rules are bad and that the shunning that we're getting are bad? Wait till this all comes down. If you don't take that mark, you're not going to be able to buy, sell, you won't have any medical care. And uh, that's a great concern to many of us, especially the last part. Um, yet another interesting fact is that it mentions that both saints and martyrs um, have their blood in there. Martyrs are always a public spectacle. It usually involves one person or a small group of people that are executed in some sort of barbaric form before onlookers. I always think of Polycarp. Uh, it, it's a, you have to read about Polycarp. It's, he's a very interesting person, and uh, he, he didn't go down easy. <laughs> and uh, it says it's, it's, it's a really uh, – get a book of, of the book called uh, – the Book of Martyrs, I think it's Justin's Book of Martyrs or something like that, and um, and read about all the martyrs. It's it's quite interesting. Um, and it just didn't happen in biblical times. It happened through the whole uh, Catholic Church period in Europe, and um, it's a bad testimony to what even people that call themselves Christians can do um, if they don't read their Bibles and they just listen to priests and pastors and, uh, and and listen blindly um, the word saints is used to um, it says to me that uh, it will be committed in a more private manner or in a desolate place where there will be no audience or to please or to convince since revelation is firm in stating that the majority of those standing before the throne and asking for justice will have been beheaded it would seem to me that this type of execution would be performed in a large warehouse or maybe even as human sacrifices in secluded areas like slaughterhouses or other large buildings, uh, their blood being collected for consumption. I know I'm getting kind of gross, but, you know, this is going to be a reality. Um, I think that it's necessary to go to the ancient test that, sh that shows just what it was like before the deluge of Noah's time to see where the idea of drinking blood originated. Okay, we're going to go to First Enoch, and it's going to be First Enoch, and it's the whole chapter, chapter 7, but Enoch's chapters aren't very long. So, um, And this is talking about the fallen angels that are in the Bible called the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6. And he says, And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go unto them and to defile themselves with the women, with them. And they, uh, taught, the, they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. And they became pregnant, and they bare great giants whose height was three thousand ells, who consumed all the acquisitions of men. 
And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish, and devour one another's flesh and drink their blood. Then the earth laid an accusation against the lawless ones. And that's a quite interesting story. Um, I love the book of Enoch. It's really interesting. It's, uh, it really brings glory to, to Yahweh, Yodevave. Um, it should be noted that this text is talking about the antics of the fallen angels. But these entities also taught men many other things or technologies that mankind kept. So it stands the reason that at least some of mankind mimicked the fallen angels in the presence, or excuse me, in the practices mentioned here. Incidentally, the mention of sinning against birds and beasts and fish and others is a refer reference later to uh, Enoch, um, as well as in the book of Jasher as being DNA manipulations. That's where the, you know, you think that the Greeks were uh, making all that stuff up about the Minotaur and uh, the Centaur and Hydra and everything else. No, they were probably memories from before the flood. Um taken to their worst dimension, of course, <laughs> and having a whole religion built on it. But um, anyway, uh, getting back on course, we know that there is a woman mentioned in Revelation who rides a scarlet beast, is dressed in a scarlet robe, adorned with jewels and pearls, and she's drunk from the blood of the martyrs and saints of Yeshua. It's important to do word studies in this kind of scripture because the word meanings, in this case, the Greek language, are crucial to the to the meaning of the whole scripture. Having studied the words, I have uh, accentuated this particular scripture, uh, the original meaning. Okay. And I saw with my eyes as to discern the woman, and that woman word woman means wife, and that's real interesting. We'll get into that. And I saw with my eyes to discern the woman intoxicated with the blood and that word blood is hyma, and it's where we get the word hemo. Um, you know, you got uh, hemophiliac, um, hemodialysis, uh, and it always means blood. Specifically shed by violence of the saints, those blameless and ceremoniously consecrated, and with the blood of the martyrs, those who have undergone a violent death of Jesus. And my eyes discerned her. I stood there in awe and wonder as though I too was implicated just by being there, that such a person could carry out such a thing full of arrogance which was derogatory to the majesty of God. Doesn't that kind of, <laughs> kind of make it a little more understandable? It does to me, I don't know. Uh, notice that the Greek word for woman is wife. In the same manner that Yeshua has the church of his believers as a bride, so Satan mimics this by having a wife, who's symbolized by both the beast and the woman being clad in scarlet, is significant of them being one flesh, which is what happens when you get married, right? Become one flesh. Um, but they become one purpose and one intent, uh, made up of those who are sealed um, with the mark of the beast. That would be the, uh, the bride, actually. Um, the bride of Satan. This counterfeiting of uh, yod heh vav -Heh's attributes and symbols is what Jim Wilhelmson apt apt aptly describes as the same but opposite, and Alistair Crowley termed, as above, so below. The fact that adrenochrome is a hallucinogen is also... The fact is that adrenochrome is a hallucinogen. 
It is also a fact that it's associated with schizophrenia. The following was found in a scientific uh, medical journal, which I'll cite after I, when I read. Adrenochrome is formed in the body, but we don't not know whether more is formed in, the, in schizophrenics or where it's made, or where schizophrenics or are schizophrenics more susceptible to the effect of adrenochrome because they lack uh, antioxidants or other protective factors? Future research will settle these issues. We need to know where the transformation occurs and what quantities and why. We need to know the end product of catecholamine oxidation and their pathways. We need to know which enzymes are involved and or damaged, and we need to... You need more effective blocking agents where are effective in smaller doses but have the safe and efficacy of vitamins. Adrenochrome and adrenolutin are hallucinogenic. We need more information about the other aminochromes. Um, we need to know which synapses are inhibited, which receptors are involved. Inhibiting the formulation of adrenochrome is, is therapeutic. We need to know why the orthomolecular approach works. And orthomolecular basically is like vitamins. And uh, that source is, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but it's a website called orthomolecular.org, and it comes from their library. And um, JOM must be Journal of Medicine 1999. And this will be up on my website pretty soon so you can see the whole thing and, and go to it. Um, the article I, that I quoted says, states that adrenochrome can, usage can precipitate schizophrenia. Now, I'm a psych nurse, and I've witnessed firsthand the effects of schizophrenia. Boy, have I witnessed it. And it's sad to watch as people hear voices and see hallucinations. Um, let, me, let me just stop right there. I'm going to do this so I know where we are. Um, when I was in nursing school, uh, we conducted an experiment, or the teachers did. One of us sat in a chair, two people, one on each side, and we rolled up cones of paper, and another person sat in front of the person that was sitting in the chair, like they were trying to evaluate them um, psychologically. Okay. So while this person was asking questions of the supposed schizophrenic person that was sitting in the first chair, the two other people were yelling into their cones, which were placed right next to the end of it, was placed right next to the ear of the person sitting there. And one was telling the person that, oh, you know, God loves you and that everything's fine and dandy. And uh, the other side was saying, you're a miserable person. You need to die. And... You need to kill that person that's asking you all the questions and, you know, and things like that. So two different messages coming in while another person's trying to talk. It's no wonder um, why, why schizophrenics are so often uh, confused. Um, and and the, the uh, hallucinations aren't always auditory. Sometimes they're optical. And um, it's, it's a sad state. It really is. I... I wasn't felt bad for them, for the um, schizophrenics, because they, they seem to be victims. And, you know, we, we've we looked into this before. I think we did a radio show on it. And um, it may be true that these people were either ritually abused, 
and so they're demonically oppressed. I'm not saying possessed, but oppressed. Um, and that um, either that or um, they've been exposed to large doses of mercury and aluminum, which uh, have somehow gotten into their brain and settled in their brain and have effectively made an antenna, which, um, you know, a scientist, um, a mad scientist or somebody would would uh, know the uh, the correct frequency to broadcast, and they're actually hearing the voice of uh, people that are talking to them. So it's not always, everything that you see isn't always demonic, okay? There, there could be uh, chemical imbalances and everything else, and uh, everybody always equates schizophrenics with being demon-possessed, especially Christians, you know? Oh, they're demon-possessed. Oh, it's like... Well, yeah, if they are, what are you going to do about it? You're going to help to free them, or you're just going to shun them and let the other guy do it? It just really pisses me off with the way Christians act sometimes. Um, okay, let's see, where was I? It's sad to watch as people hear voices and see visual hallucinations. Often the voices guide them in what they are supposed to do. In one ear, they might hear a voice saying that God loves them, and in the other ear, they hear a voice telling them to kill the guy sitting next to them on the bus. Often the schizophrenic has a moral compass that causes them to ignore the negative messages. I've seen that a lot. You know, they don't want this. They don't want to hear these things. Um, but hearing such things um, most of your waking day and considering that uh, they might not fall asleep for days on end, um, is a setup for disaster. Often these people will hear or wear earbuds or headphones and they will blast the music so they can't hear the voices. Unfortunately, that does that causes ear damage and stuff like that. And, uh, and I'm not so sure that when uh, the ear is damaged, they wouldn't hear it anyway. But um, anyway, it's, uh, it's a sad state of affairs. And, and I always prayed for the schizophrenics on my unit. Um, a lot of them were really nice guys, you know, they just had that problem and, um, and when they got worse, it was heart wrenching. Um, it's been said that the effects of adrenochrome is like that of cocaine. Cocaine puts its user in a euphoric state that more or less they can take on the world and win. A close cousin of cocaine is methamphetamines often referred to these days as crank or crack or whatever. Uh, crack is detrimental to the human body much more than cocaine. Crack fries the brain, it kills the body, and it rots the teeth out of your user's mouth. Um, not too far away is a little town, um, and the joke going around there, although I don't think it's very funny, is how do you know that, uh, or no, it's, um, you, if your drug dealer has teeth, then he's probably the cops, you know? And uh, unfortunately, it's probably true, but uh, it's it's a joke that's going around, and uh, it's a sad joke, actually. Um, adrenochrome is even more insidious. It's seen by many as a compound that can stop or slow down the aging process. That's why a lot of the elites take it, because they're all getting old and um, getting ready to die. Uh, so it appeals to their vanity. It also causes hallucinations, and if used long enough, it can cause so much havoc on the brain, the brain's chemical system, that it can lead to chronic schizophrenia. All this happens because man still falls for the satanic lie that the user won't die 
and that he will, uh, in effect, become godlike. What were the two two lies in the the garden? garden. Uh, Basically, God was wrong, you will not die. And if you eat that thing over there, then you're going to be just like him. Start hearing that stuff, you know where it's coming from. Now, uh, imagine a whole society filled with people that, like I've described above, with, yeah, I'm talking about the adrenochrome. It would be a hellish nightmare living in such a society. If you want to see the results of taking this stuff, just look at the Senate and the House of Representatives. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny about that, but when you see the, pardon my expression, crap that's coming out of Washington and even the, the state governments, you wonder, you know, these people aren't thinking clearly. They're not sane. You know, what's going on? Maybe they're shooting adrenochrome or um, drinking blood. Who knows? Um, I got a feeling that there's a lot of people in Washington and a lot of people in the state houses um, that are into satanic rituals and stuff. Um, anyway. Uh, There's a video on YouTube showing Chuck Schumer. He's a senator from, uh, where the heck's he from? I forgot. I think New York. Yeah, he's from New York. In the Senate chambers, and he's actually shooing someone out of his seat and pointing to the seat next to him. Another were like, hey, you're in my seat. Move over one. Um, The only problem is that his chair is empty when he's talking to it. (laughs) Chuck was seeing someone who wasn't there. We can see odd behavior from others who are in the spotlight, like Adam Schiff. You know, all the garbage that came out when he was trying to impeach Trump. You know, it was, first of all, it wasn't impeachable offenses, and um, and he never was able to prove it, and he had to make up lies in order in order for, for it to even pro- progress as far as it did. Um, and what do they call Satan, uh, the father of lies? So Adam Schiff has a, probably a pretty good relationship with the, with the devil. Um, he always looks psychotic most of the time. I was wondering if he had uh, Hashimoto's disease or something, and uh, but there's no data on that. Um, but uh, he reminds me of Marty Feldman, but an evil Marty Feldman. Um, Maxine Waters, who spouts stupidity out of her mouth every time it opens, she likes to rile up crowds to riot. Now, this is a, an elected official that's supposed to be in, in, her, in her place for, um, for bringing a peace and concord among people. She's telling people to go out and riot. Nancy Pelosi many times looks like she's barely hanging on to sanity. The same occurs in Hollywood. You know, you had that, who's that comedian gal? Um, was holding the bloody head of Trump in her hand. Uh, Kathy somebody. Um... You know, and you got people like Barbara Streisand and uh, who's the little man that uh, needs elevator shoes? The little Italian guy. Um, you know, he's always threatening he wanted to punch Bush right in the face. You know, it's like, who talks like that? You know, I, I didn't like Obama for eight years, but I accepted he was president and I prayed that uh, that would change. <laughs> you know, I never threatened him violence. I never thought that I'd even want to think that I'd want to punch him in the face. You know, um, anyway, I, I digress. Uh, there are people, these people are um, inept in anything, the actors are, anything but acting. They're great at acting. 
And, you know, if you're an actor, you have to take on other parts. And have you ever thought that, you know, um, taking on other parts is kind of like taking on extra personalities? You know, remember, um, well, maybe you don't remember, but in the 50s, uh, there was a show called Superman, and a guy in, in it was uh, George Reeves. Um, not the other Reeves that played Superman later on. I don't know if they were related or not. But uh, after a while, George Reeves actually believed he was Superman and tried to jump off a building and fly. <laughs> okay? Um, so sometimes um, acting a delusion uh, or as another person makes people think that they are that other person. And um, it's just sad. It really is. But that's what happens to worldly people. Um, these people who are inept in anything but acting share their political views way too often. Um, and it's because they're influential and people think that they're smart. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not really that smart. Um, none of them has actually held a real job that I can tell. Uh, same with the politicians. But um, I don't know. I mean, aside from maybe being a dishwasher or something like that, when they first went to Hollywood, they haven't held a real job. Um, and uh, if, you, if you're that good at mimicking other people and acting like them, then uh, that's dangerous, my, my view anyway. Um, let's see. Both groups often preach peace and the willingness to work as a team, except for the only people that they can work with are, are their opponents, the Republicans. And they won't work with the Republicans, so it's a vicious circle. Uh, conditional concord is not togetherness, but oppositional and divisive. Uh, do you remember the illustration I used earlier about hearing different things in different ears? That wasn't too long ago, actually. Now, let's look at the government and other segments of society. Uh, most governmental officials uh, tend to say one thing and do another. They'll still say anything to get elected, and then they flip-flop as soon as they get in office. Could it be that uh, many legislatures, court appointees, members of the executive branch and such are taking adrenochrome? Either they are, or they're mass outbreak of schizophrenia in the government. It appears that uh, the pump is already primed and just awaits someone to operate the handle, so to speak. Could it be that uh, the time is here for Christians and Jews to suffer something much worse than the Holocaust? Uh, could it be that soon uh, we will be tortured so much that our blood is super rich in adrenochrome and we're led to the slaughter? And I'll let you draw the rest of that picture. Um, I think a good illustration of how this works can be shown in the subject of marijuana use. Um, in my grandfather's day, this shrug was rarely spoken of, it spoke, if it was spoken of at all. Very few people used it, and it was rumored that it would make you insane. There was a movie they put out called Reefer Madness, and i got to admit it was kind of crazy. And it was an effort to get people not to smoke marijuana, but um, it just was kind of a laughing stock. They went way overboard trying to make it look bad. <laughs> and it is bad, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was so stupid that, you know, it uh, it backfired. Uh, there is some truth in that notion, by the way. I have looked at hundreds of patients charged, I really have, uh, in the psych hospital, and the majority, upwards of 98%, and that might even be a low estimate, all had chronic marijuana use on their in their chart, okay? 
uh, and they had it as a lifestyle choice before they came to the facility. Before they committed their crime, I worked on a forensic unit. So before they committed their crime, they were using that. They were using cocaine and other drugs. A lot of them were using crack. Um, many studies show that chronic marijuana use leads to what's called marijuana-induced psychosis. Uh, my father's generation knew about marijuana. We were talking about my grandfather's generation earlier. Um, once after he uh, caught me smoking pot, yes, I, I was not always the, um, the Christian that I am now. I was Before I was saved, I was, I was quite the uh, devil's child. Um, but he came in one day and he caught me. Uh, he didn't catch me smoking and he caught the smell in the house. I had all the windows open and I had the swamp cooler going, but for not long enough. Um, so he kept pressing me, you know, he would find things. I, cause I dumped the ashes in the toilet and I forgot to flush the toilet. And, um, you know, I, I made a, ser a bunch of serious errors, but it was good because it really, you know, it worked out well. But, um, so he kept pressing me what, what the smell was. And I kept telling him it was incense and it was, uh, what were the ashes doing in the toilet? And I said, well, I use ashes for um, a medium in the soil because um, they're mineral rich, you know. And he, and he would always look at me and go, oh, come on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so finally um, I uh, I said, you know, I, I said, I, I'm sorry, man, but, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I was smoking it earlier, you know. And he goes, I know. I know exactly what it smells like. And I thought I'd be a real smart aleck. And I says, oh, yeah, well, how do you know what it smells like? You know, and he goes, well, when I was in Korea, there was guys that were smoking it. He says, you know, and I'd be downwind and I could smell it. And then I knew, you know, what they were doing. And um, so I know what the smell smells like. And I'm like, geez, does this man not know anything? Um, well, anyway, he, he was pretty cool about it, actually. He said, if you're going to do it, do it and stay in the house. Don't go driving around and stuff. And that actually worked out uh, detrimental to my cause because it was no fun anymore. You know, I couldn't be rebellious because he assented to me doing it. And pretty soon, well, not not too soon, maybe about a year later, that all came to an end. And I got saved and the rest is history. Um, so I tried to catch him in a hypocritic moment um, and it didn't work. And um, he had been familiar with the smell. So his generation knew about it, and some of them smoked it, but their activity was kept in the shadows. Um, it became even more prevalent in the 60s amongst the hippies and the beatniks. Marijuana was being accepted by the younger generations. Uh, those generations grew up, and many of them became, well, they grew up physically, <laughs> not necessarily emotionally. Um and many of them became influential people. Some were bankers, some police officers. Many of them went into politics. Remember Bill Clinton? Yeah, I smoked it, but I never inhaled. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, and many uh, just common everyday guys, you know. I, I can walk up to a group of people today or tomorrow if I were to run into a group, say down in Sweet Home, and, uh, and ask them if any of them smokes or ingests uh, or, or eats. Uh, marijuana, you know, brownies and stuff like that. Um, and out of that group of five, four will say that they do it. Okay. I'm not kidding you. That's how prevalent it is here in Oregon.
because it's been legal here now. As a matter of fact, they just legalized heroin, uh, psilocybin, and other things, too. So there's going to be a mass exodus again to Oregon with um, basically undesirable people that are just going to ruin the state even further. Um, now, marijuana isn't spoken of openly, and its uh, users don't have to hide in the shadows in Oregon anymore. Um, it will be uh, the same with adrenochrome. Now it's dangerous to admit uh, that people use it because many of its users are influential people um, who, who lose their reputation or political seat if they were to do so. You know, we're talking about politicians and elites, heads of companies, and dare I say, the Pope. Um, by the time that the annals of revelation become a, a reality, it will be permanently used and uh, probably expected if someone wants to be part of the Luciferic initiation. You're not going to be able to want to do that if you uh, are in your right mind. But if you're all doped up and you're promised free dope for the rest of your life, hey, a lot of people would go for that. So let's sum things up. Uh, we started looking at Yeshua's statement. That's where he said that when he returns, it'd be like the days of Noah. We looked at the book of Enoch and saw that the giants consume mankind's possessions and later consume mankind. And then they drank their own blood and ate each other. Uh, we looked and saw that most of every civilization in the past practiced some sort of human sacrifice uh, ritual. And we hypo hypothesized that they may have consumed the, the blood of their victims. Uh, we looked at the actual scripture in Revelation, and it refers to a woman dressed in the scarlet robe, adorned with gold and jewels and uh, pearls, and how she held a cup in her hands and was drunken with the blood of the saints. We looked at the effect of consuming adrenochrome and what it's that it's a hallucinogen. Uh, we saw that it um, it promises the old lie that the user won't die or that his life will be extended and that he will become like God. We've seen uh, that by the actions of some of our legislatures, its use in, is common amongst the elites and their, and their puppets, which would be the politicians. Um, we have looked at the notion that the use of adrenochrome now by people in the shadows will probably become commonplace things sometime soon. The sad thing is that the demand for the compound will become higher and higher, which will result in the abduction of more children for exsanguination. Because we want to believe that there are more good people in the world than bad people, it's hard to believe that such a thing could happen, right? However, it has happened before, before the deluge, in Canaan and the Middle East, and during biblical times, and throughout history in various civilizations. We're heading into an age of barbarism very soon. In fact, we're probably there. Um, we must stay awake and aware of societal trends. They will change very fast and not for anything good. It's also important to discover, discover and come to Yeshua if you haven't done so already. You can't make it through this life anymore without having a creed. Either you're going to be on the bad side or you're going to be on the good side. There's no more middle of the fence, folks. You're either going to serve the devil or you're going to serve Yohevavhe through Yeshua. Uh, we may not have the best life here on earth, but an eternity in love and bliss is worth a few months or years of pain, suffering, and death. If Yahweh wills so, it'll happen. 
Yeshua promises a greater reward in heaven, and we'll end, we'll end with this, okay? Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. These are the words of Yeshua. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And the point I want to drive home. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So, nighttime might seem long, but we know that there's a morning coming. So I would urge you that if you don't know Yeshua, that you at least consider investigating into him. Um, you don't have to tell anybody right away. Just, you know, while you're sitting there, just say, you know, Yeshua or Jesus, if you want to use that word, that's fine. Um, you know, I don't know if you're real. Reveal yourself to me. I need to know if you're real or not. And um, he'll do it. And uh, and then once he does that, you're going to have a choice to make. Um, yay or nay. And uh, yay will get you in eternity. Uh, you can't comprehend. That's, you can't measure in years. Um, it's just going to be eternity forever and ever. And don't try to understand forever and ever right now. You never will. <laughs> I don't even know. And I'm 40 years, 42 years in, in Yeshua. Um but um, it's very important that you uh, make a choice now because uh, there may be no later, you know. I've heard people say, well, when I get close to dying, you know, then I'll make a decision. Well, that's nice, but, you know, what if tomorrow you woke up and went to work and got in a car wreck and died and never made that decision? So the time for salvation is right now. It's not 10 minutes from now or, or whatever, although, you know, you might take your time to, to get to know him before that happens. That, it's all in his timing. You know, he says that um, no one comes unto the Father, unto the Father, unto me unless the Father calls him. So there are those who are called. And um, if you're one of them, you've probably felt a tugging of your heart at your heart for a long time, excuse me. And um, and that tugging has been purposeful. Um, he's been doing that all along. Um, a lot of you have seen the injustices that are going on in this world and um, how evil is taking over so quickly and um, in such a fashion that it doesn't even seem like it's really happening, like we're, we're having a nightmare or living in a, in a bad dream, you know? And uh, no, we're not. This is reality. And um, so making a decision as soon as you can is probably a good idea. I never really intended on speaking like this at the end of this video, but um, I think it's necessary. I really do. Um, uh, of all the decisions that you'll ever make in your life, this is probably the most important one. And believe me, this comes from somebody that was... Uh, that had a little bit of a background in, in the church because I was brought up, my mother used to drag me, and I mean drag me, <laughs> to um, Episcopal Church, which is basically a dead religion. Um, and um, then I walked away from that, and I became an atheist, and I 
started believing in evolution, and I didn't quite feel like that was the answer. I looked into the Eastern religions, I looked into the New Age, um, and they seemed to have the right answers, but not quite. Something was a little off in everything that I looked into. Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, the whole nine yards. It was never right. The New Age. Um, New Age is very cunning and very fooling. And, um, you know, you got to be really careful because they, they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And um, so, um, anyway, the best thing to do is if you're doubting, just um, in the quiet place somewhere. Um, if you're living by yourself, you can do it anywhere in your house. Um, just say, you know, Lord Yeshua, you know, your Lord Jesus, or, or even just Jesus. But mean it in your heart that you're talking to the biblical Jesus, okay? Because there are other Jesuses out there that are that are not biblical. They're uh, well, they're biblical, but they're evil. <laughs> um, the, the Jesus of the Bible, the Yeshua of the Bible, is the only Yeshua out there that has the power and authority to to save you from your sins. Um, realize that. Um, he saw when he was on the cross that he saw you. Um, he saw you at your face, probably, I think. That's what I'm, you know, I believe. He saw our faces and, and got to know us when he was on the cross, dying as our sacrifice lamb. And um, it's just, uh, if you're called, you're called. And you got to answer that call. You know, you can't, you can't hit the off button on this call. <laughs> like you do on a cell phone. This is a calling on your life. This is a, a predestinated um, affair. A uh, master, master and creator of the universe, universe wants, wants you to be his child. child. And that's, man, is that honorable or what? Um, what does the Bible say? He who knew no sin became sin for us. You know, and... Um, God sent his only son to die for us. And um, the only way I think that it's, it's honorable is to live for him, you know. And so I'll stop with that now. I've given you enough to think about. But um, so anyway, we'll, we'll be back uh, next Monday. And I'm going to try to get this thing online tonight. It might be tomorrow. But um, nobody's expecting it anyway, so... Um, I just want to thank you. Um, by the way, if, if you're interested, we have a Patreon site. If you wanted to donate to the show, please go there and do so. It's, um, the show's name, Opposing the Matrix. Um, there are costs that are involved in this. And, uh, and, uh, June, June 1st, I'm retiring, which means my income is going to go down, way down. And, um, and I'm still going to be here. And Brian will be here, but um, there may be some things that uh, you know I'm going to have to scrimp and save to try to to pay for. Um, so anyway, if if, the, if you feel led, then uh, go to Patreon and and uh, please consider. Um, I won't call it a donation. I don't believe that, but you can call it a gift. Um, and uh, realize that we're not a 501c3. We never will be. Because that's a government setup. 
and I will not go in for that. So um, please don't call it a donation, call it a gift. Um, and uh, realize that you won't be able to claim it on your taxes. Um, that shouldn't be something that we worry about anyway, but people do. So anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and end this. I want to thank you again for, um, we have, uh, 2,500 followers now, <laughs> um, far exceeding whatever happened on YouTube. Uh, it's just amazing. It just goes to show me that YouTube is a shill for the, uh, the leftist. Um, so I thank each and every one of you that comes and listens, even the skeptics that write some pretty nasty things to me. Um, it's okay. You know, I'm a big boy and I can take it. And, uh, but don't expect me to remain silent. Okay. <laughs> um, especially, um, the guy out there that, uh, said that he wants to hang all, um, Kazarians and, uh, well, you've got enough problems to deal with, so I won't pick on you. But, um, you know, everybody's got a right to say what they want to say. But um, just don't try to come here because uh, it won't be pleasant. And I'm not talking about for me. Anyway, um, plus I'm so secluded out in the woods, you'd never find me. Um Anyway, so have a great week, folks, and um, just be blessed and, and know that Yeshua loves you and that uh, um, he's got everything under control. He, everything's going to get kind of crappy for a few years, and then he'll be back, and um, we'll have a big party when he gets back. And and if you come to him, you'll be part of a big party in heaven, too, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Hmm. I can't wait for that one. I'll be, finally be able to, to live and not gain weight. And, um, and I think I'm going to be 30 years old again. And, uh, I had a lot of energy in spoke when I was 30 years old. And I'm looking forward to getting that back. So, anyway, in the name of Yeshua, be blessed. And, uh, we will talk to you soon. Uh, see, see you next Monday. And this will probably be posted tomorrow, Saturday. And, um, We'll go from there. So thanks again. You're a wonderful audience. You're wonderful people. And I love all of you, even the ones that don't necessarily like me. Um, Yeshua commanded that I love you and that, well, that I will do. So be blessed in Yeshua's name. Good night.